Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you are blessed by today's sermon. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning again, everybody. Three rounds of applause this morning. First for Max, the bagpiper, and our wonderful music ministry. Thank you. The rest of... The rest of the choir is winging its way on to London for an incredible uh, tour of cathedrals and singing and all that stuff, so you guys didn't get to go. Too bad. Here we are, and we're left with Max. Good job, Max. Uh, second round of applause uh, to um, Diane Utzman and Laurel Utzman and Dorothy Carr and Sherry Maloof and all the volunteers who, over the past week or two, uh, helped create wonderful Christmas activities uh, and things for our children. Way to go. And the third round of applause is for all of us who are in church this morning. Well done. Well done. It has been said that the first words of the gospel according to St. John that we had read are some of, if not the most beautiful words ever written in the English language, or any language for that matter. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made through Him. In Him was life, and that life is the light of men. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of God's Son, full of grace and truth. These words aren't just beautiful, they change the course of history. Our ideas of right and wrong the values of justice and mercy, our laws, our ethics, the way we govern, the development and advancement of science, of literature, of art, even our calendar, all can be traced back to the coming of Christ and His church. It's fact, social, cultural, societal development all stems back to this one seminal event and these beautiful words. And this history changed by Jesus is not just big picture, cultural, social, academic history. It is perhaps even more importantly, very personal. Jesus has or Jesus can change your personal history, how you live, and what you will leave behind, which is becoming increasingly important as some of us are growing older. Jesus is coming, and His continuing to come through His spirit in our hearts, our minds, that still small voice, that prompting, 
those God incidences that we experience. Jesus' coming and his spirit touches, changes the motives of your heart, the way we think about our relationships, what we might invest or give into or trust in a particular relationship without having to be defensive or on guard and just allowing, accepting with gratitude and seeing what happens. Jesus has or can affect the quality of our marriages, the quality of our parenting, the quality of our grandparenting, the nature and course of our friendships, the way we treat others, especially those in material or emotional or spiritual need who at other times in our growth and development we may not even have thought of, may not even have cared about, may not even have had time for, and may have even been judging a little bit about whose fault it is that they are in material, emotional, or spiritual need. Jesus has or can change the way you live, the way you work, the way you die. And this very personal change is about two things, as we heard in our passages from Scripture this morning. One is liberation and freedom. And the second is a very natural result that can and should flow out of that if we let it. First, liberation and freedom. Liberation and freedom from old ways of thinking and feeling and living. St. Paul wrote a letter to us and to the Christians in Galatia. And that's one way to think about the New Testament. The Matthew, Mark, and Luke and John, the Gospels, are the narratives, the stories of Jesus' life and ministry. The letters, the epistles from Paul and others, are to explain what these things mean and the implications for living them out in our lives, whether you're in Galatia or Midland or even Odessa. Here's what he wrote. Remember, we're talking about liberation and freedom. Paul wrote, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming of faith. The law was our guardian until Christ came. God gave his commands, 10 of them to be specific. If you think back on all the laws and commands and values and ethics and stories and narratives, they all point back to those commandments, to those values and laws. He gave them to us not because he is a prison warden, but because he loves us. He knows us and our tendencies, though some of us try to pretend otherwise. And he wants the best 
for us. Remember when we were kids and we <clears throat> sort of wanted to rebel, sort of wanted to go out and do stuff, but it, it felt good to know the difference between right and wrong. It felt good to know what you were supposed to do and do it instead of not knowing what you weren't supposed to do and doing that and then getting in trouble, right? It's where our mental and psychic and emotional security comes from to do right. And that's exactly why God gave us his values and commands to help us keep it between the ditches, as we say in West Texas. It's all for our own good, our own hearts. It's for the good of those around us, our relationships, and it is for the good of our relationship with God. You don't kill, steal, or commit adultery because such sin hurts other people. It hurts you. It hurts God's heart. Sin separates us from others. Sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from ourselves. That may sound kind of weird, but that godly, intended, pure, wonderful, loving way, that Eden, Garden of Eden way that God wants us to be, sin separates us from that heart that God wants us to know and enjoy and experience. And so, Paul wrote, sin imprisons us imprisons us, the actual sinning, the actual barriers between that love of God and others and of self. Interestingly, there's another kind of imprisoning, and that is this thought that we can work our way out of it. We can saw through those bars. You know, we can be like El Chapo and dig the tunnel under the toilet. Amazing that they did that. Amazing but that we can somehow do that, and we find out that we can't. We're unable on our own devices to do that. And also, another kind of imprisoning is that we uh, try to appear to have dealt with it and gotten over it, and, and try to appear to be better. We're, we're part of the, you know, the in crowd. We get it. All imprisoning. That's why Jesus came to break us out of this multi-layer prison of sin, of the sin itself, of trying to work our way out of it, of trying to appear to have worked our way out of it. As Paul put it, we are no longer under a guardian because in Christ Jesus, listen to this, a waterfall of blessings, more and more and more. In Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God. Through faith, you are no longer slaves. You are redeemed. That price for you as a slave to sin has been paid. You are freed. You are adopted a legal terminology, a legal reference in 
Hebrew society. You are sons and daughters. That critically important thing in that world where there was no Obamacare, there was no Obama phone, there was no CPS, there were no nonprofits. You had to be a son or a daughter to be able to be materially and personally and emotionally connected and protected and nurtured in a family, and Jesus gives it to us. An heir to God's love and blessings. And it's all right here in this Galatians reading. We put on Christ. And think of our world, this desperation to have everybody be equal and that there be no prejudice or judgment. Well, listen to this. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. That yearning of our world that is so desperately desired is offered through faith where we are one and equal. We're not taking each other's inventories. We identify those thoughts of prejudice that we have and judgy stuff, and we pray about it, and we want to be better about it. Jesus frees us because we cannot free ourselves. It is the core of the good news, and I don't know about y'all, I get in touch with it sometimes, but much of the time it is so far beyond my emotional experience. I got to work on it. I got to I got to continue to be liberated by it. That liberation, that freedom is the core of the good news of Christ. And then we come to this second thing, this natural result that should be flowing out of this personal liberation. Isaiah declared it in our Old Testament reading. I will rejoice. My soul will exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with salvation. It's that old man and new man image. When God sees you through faith, he does not see the sinful, disgusting, old, lecherous, grumpy you. He sees his son, Jesus Christ, pure and loving, sinless, because of faith, because of that sacrifice of Christ. I will rejoice, my soul will exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with salvation. He has covered me with righteousness. Not self-created, prideful, puffed-up chest, right behavior and right living and, you know, driving the right kind of car and the right kind of suit and appearing, but the righteousness, the goodness, the rightness imputed by God to you. So I will not keep silent. I will not be quiet. Like a spring of flowing water or living water, as Christ put it, the love and righteousness of God should not just receive, it's not just free us from the prison of sin and, and release us from, from guilt. It should also flow out of us in our smiles, in our encouragement, 
in our love, in our cups of coffee with folks who are going through the same kind of things that each of us have gone through, whether it's divorce or addiction or broken relationships or broken families or whatever it may be, that effervescent flowing as in a spring, living water. That's what that living water phrase means, a flowing forth, not stagnant, not settled. Jesus put it this way. You don't put a lamp under a basket. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. You are the light of the world. And so let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Okay, remember the prison of sin that they may see my good works. Okay, we're not going there anymore, right? It's not about my good works. It's about this wonderful, encouraging, free-flowing, living water, love of Christ. That's what it's about. And please note that in these beautiful words, let your light shine. Don't put a lamp under a basket. There are some action verbs in here, and there are some actors. Of course, the primary actor, the caller, the empowerer, the Holy Spirit giver and guider is God, is Jesus. But we are actors in this equation also. With pessimism, with old habits, with inhibitions, with fears and concerns about what others will think, you can shade your lamp. You can kind of put that little basket over it. You can kind of not say anything for fear of what people are going to think. Or you can sort of not let your light shine because of old habits or guilt or remorse or whatever it may be. It seems that we have a part to play. We are actors in this shining of light, in this flowing of living water. We can choose to let the living water of Christ's love flow or be inhibited. And so, two questions this morning for us in this Christmas season, this time of celebration after the big day. Are there things in heart and mind that are still imprisoning, that are still holding you back? I ask this question because I know there are things holding me back in my heart and mind. I've got to work on them in quiet time. I've got to ask God for that blessing, for that release. It's an ongoing process. Are there things that are imprisoning? If so, when the thought comes to mind right now or tonight, offer it to God. Ask Him to show you how to be freed from this inhibition or this pessimism or whatever it is that holds you back. And then the other question naturally Is that love and life free-flowing through your smile, through your encouragement, through your baking of a pie, 
like my mother-in-law did. She baked us a pumpkin pie, and it is awesome. Anyway, is there something holding that free-flowing back? Offer it to God. Ask Him for help with it. And be a part of this exalting, freeing from prison, and sharing it with others this Christmas. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity, and we admit to you, Lord, with all that's going on in our lives, our tasks, our work and stuff, Lord, we, uh, we do get distracted and off track now and then, but we want to return this very moment to the encouragement of your scripture, your promises, your light, your living water, and Lord, leave that prison stuff behind and be in joy and let it flow through our smiles, through our encouragement, through our love of others. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.